You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, Nick. How are you? Fantastic. It's a podcast day. Yes, and it is always fantastic when it's podcast day. Everybody's favorite day, podcast day. Um, We got a good one on tap today. We are going to talk about some of the key elements of financial planning. So we went through the um, SRB process and and kind of the overview of all the different parts of that process. So today we're going to kind of get into some of the details of how we take someone once we kind of have established their goals and what are some of the key elements that we look at in terms of creating a financial plan and creating recommendations around that plan? Yeah, some of the nitty gritty decision making kind of stuff. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of the process that we've already gone through step by step and discussed on this podcast is really about arriving at goals. But at some point, we need to turn those goals into dollar amounts and put them into the financial planning uh, magic machine to uh, see how it plays out over the future. So, if you think of our process in terms of, you know, two steps, one is how do we kind of create those goals? How do we paint that picture of that vision, if you will, of what you want your future to look like? And then once we know what you're excited about, what you what's essential to have in your life and in your plan, then we can kind of move the pieces of the puzzle around and create that step-by-step guide for how you're going to get there and how to mm-hmm. think about those different things and, and how to make decisions based on what's going to get you closer to your goals, not necessarily always what's the best financial decision, if you will. And so the first step of that is usually centered around retirement because we deal with a lot of people that are mm-hmm. a couple of years out from retirement or you know maybe even 10, 15 years. And so we're looking at it from the aspect of how much are you saving for retirement? Are you on track to meet all of your retirement goals and lifestyle goals? And what are the best methods to save for retirement? Yeah, so we're usually we're, we're starting off by looking at what the existing savings looks like what type of accounts, 401ks, Roth IRAs, that sort of thing. What do contributions look like and how are they invested? And when we, when we look at the goals then and do projections, are, are the savings likely to be adequate to meet those needs or do we need to start looking at increasing those? Yeah. And, you know, this is where, you know, a lot of financial planning, we get into this rule of thumb of, well, if you just save, you know, between 10 and 20% of your income, you'll be fine for retirement. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get that number to a number where it makes a little bit, a little bit more concrete than that, because, you know, depending on when you started and when you're planning on retirement, all of those things can factor into that. And right. what we're finding increasingly nowadays as well is there's a lot of a choices when it comes to not only retirement plans and how to invest those plans, but also what kind of contributions you could make. On our, on our little outline for today, we've got tax planning a little further down, but a lot of times tax planning feeds into current retirement planning because we've got to kind of think about, does it make sense for a particular client to make pre-tax contributions? or post-tax, meaning Roth contributions, and you know, really kind of think about the tax aspect of what makes the most sense now and what will make the most sense in retirement. Yeah. And a lot of times that comes down, you know, a lot of factors into that. If you're going to retire mm-hmm. early, let's say you want to retire at 50 or 55, there's some issues around 
the contributions that you put into your pre-tax retirement plan versus uh, after tax or a Roth or just saving money outside of a retirement plan altogether for more accessibility. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of thought that goes into not only how much to save, but also how to save it. Right. And also recognizing that that, those contribution choices are going to evolve over time. Like a younger client just launching their career may not be in as high a tax bracket now as they're going to be in a few years. And maybe Roth contributions make sense now, but as their salary grows, you know, that may switch to a different recommendation. And, you know, other things that we look at is like for older clients that have amassed a lot of, say, pre-tax contributions, it might make sense even if they're in a moderately high tax bracket now to look at some post-tax contributions too just to kind of balance things out. So, And that really gets back to, you know, if we know what your ultimate goal is, then we can kind of back into what the best option is for you or combination of options, mm-hmm. right? We oftentimes talk about, you know, it's not always an all or none decision. Sometimes it's there's good reasons to split a lot of this stuff up to give you a little bit of tax diversity as well. So... So from there, after we, you know, figure out retirement savings, where to save it, how much to save, then it's about investing it. And of course, we never like to talk about investing or asset allocation without talking about risk. You can't have one without the other is basically the way to, the way to think about it. For every, for every increase in uh, return on a portfolio, we expect we have to take more risk to get it. So we always want to try to assess how a client views risk general rules of thumb again, a younger client can can afford to take a lot more risk in their portfolio than an older client. The closer you are to taking distributions, the more careful you need to be. But on the other hand, there's also that subjective personality question of how much risk can you, can you stand? And we're not doing a younger client any favors if we put them in an aggressive portfolio and every time something bad happens, they panic and jump out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's kind of the big thing. Even if the right portfolio for you based on your plan, if it doesn't meet your tolerance and you can't stick with it and we're moving stuff around, like you said, every time something bad happens in the market, then ultimately that's not the right portfolio for you. Right. And so it, it really comes down to assessing the risk as a part of the overall plan and making sure you're comfortable with where your investments are before you put your investment plan together. From there, we can come up with asset allocations for each part of a client's portfolio. And asset allocation is just a fancy way to talk about how we mix together stocks, bonds, and cash to get to look for certain outcomes and risk levels over time. Making sure that we are aware of not only what the asset allocation should be, but also how do we implement that asset allocation, especially when we're Mm -hmm. dealing with 401ks, because sometimes that's a challenge. Most 401ks have limited, yes, most 401ks have limited options. And so figuring out what the best option is. And, and that's why oftentimes, you know, some of the best recommendations are the target date funds. Just kind of depends on your plan and, and how that plan shakes out. Yeah, and along with that, uh, we want to talk with the client about how that account's going to be managed going forward in terms of when it's going to be reviewed and how often it's going to be rebalanced, which means moving the amounts you have in cash stocks and bonds back to those targets. That we saw because it's going to change over time. Yeah. So lots of decisions to be made in kind of laying out a plan for how to, you know, create that asset allocation, but also how to monitor and rebalance it is 
is very important. And, and like, as we like to say, even the best laid plans can go sideways. So, <laughs> you know, yes, we're going to have an asset allocation plan and we're going to have a rebalance plan, but ultimately that stuff's probably going to change at some point. And so constantly revisiting it and making sure it still makes sense is super important. So another step in the process is cash flow. I mean, it wouldn't be a a kitchen table finance podcast if we didn't talk about budget, right? You know, I was thinking, I I think we managed to get through a couple of podcasts recently without using the B word. And um, mostly, mostly because we were focusing on our process with clients and, you know, the budget is an important part of that process, but uh, is not in every step. So we managed to get away from it for a couple of weeks. Here we are, though. Here we are talking about budget. So why is budget important? Budget is important because we need to know, A, if we're you know increasing savings goals, we got to figure out how are we going to, what we're going to cut back as far as spending mm-hmm. goals in order to make that all work and, and make it make sense. And, and a lot of times we have that conversation around, okay, here's kind of the ultimate goal of you saving this much money, but realizing that it might take you a year or two or even three years to get to that point by paying some Mm -hmm. stuff off and doing some other stuff before you get to that savings goal that you want to be at. And and a lot lot of times it is a kind of a step-by-step process to get there. But not only do we want to figure out your current cash flow, but we also want to look at future cash flow and what that might look like in retirement. Right. We've we've always talked about budget on this show as you know, making sure you know how much you're spending versus how much is coming in. But, you know, in terms of how we utilize that. So I guess, I guess an example is, is maybe the best way to talk about this. You know, sometimes current cash flow for a particular client when they come in and get started with us isn't an issue, right? They're, they're saving more than they're spending. They're not, you know, running up debt and they don't really know their budget, but they kind of have a, but everything's okay, right? We don't have to fix anything. Mm-hmm. But how that money is being spent and how they're using it. When we go to take that retirement idea, if you will, and turn it into a dollar goal, you know, being able to look at somebody's actual cash flow today and figure out like what's, you know, if, if they've got daycare on their budget, that's obviously, well, hopefully not going to be there during retirement. Right. So we can, we right. can kind of like right. drill down with it and we can, we can, at least with some logic, say this is what it would take in retirement in today's dollars to replicate your lifestyle, right? Which is really sometimes as good as we can get, especially when people are 15, 20 years out from retirement. We really aren't trying to tell you how much you should spend on your heating bill. We're trying to tell you based on how you do things today, what would it take to replicate your lifestyle? And so while the budget is important in terms of like correcting problems. It's also important for people that don't have issues to be able to like quantify what we need to do for the future. Especially, you know, like you said, the closer you get to retirement, the more real that gets and being able to quantify it is important because a lot of the financial planning is, you know, hey, we'll just take 75% of your income before and that should be enough to get you through retirement. Well, Mm -hmm. some people are going to spend a lot more money in retirement than they did maybe while they were working. And some people, the exact opposite, they're going to spend less. And until we actually get into the details, we don't know. It's interesting. You know, that rule of thumb has been out there for a while, but I would say, and I think, I think part of this is a function of a lot of the clients that come to see us. It's kind of self-selective in a way that I think 75% of earnings for most of our clients is too high. 
to, to be a, like what they really need in retirement. Now, sometimes that's not, that's not necessarily true when you add on things like travel and, you know, things that folks want to do in retirement that they're not doing now. But when we're just looking at expenses, usually I think it's been more like 60 to 65%. It may be 75% overall for most people, but um, anyway, just a little aside. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. And one of the things that I like about some of the tools that we use is not only is it about like, okay, let's create a budget of, hey, I this is an absolute need uh, on a scale of one to 10. I can't live my life without this versus a want or a wish. And breaking mm-hmm. it down that way, I think is super helpful for people because we can start to see, okay, if something were to go wrong, if we were to veer off course, we might be able to get rid of some of the spending on the wishes for a couple of years and get back to that later. And I think that helps people compartmentalize a lot of that and think yes. about risk differently where, hey, if things are going great, we're going to be able to do all this stuff. And if we have a year or two when things aren't going as great, we can pare back and still be able to have all the things that we absolutely need and then eventually get back to doing all that other fun stuff that's on our list. Right. And that tends to be how people actually operate in retirement anyway. So another thing on the list, we kind of alluded to this a little bit with our retirement savings is the retirement plan itself as far as setting retirement goals. So obviously cash flow and what you want to do in retirement is part of that, but also when you want to retire is a big part of, of that retirement plan. And it's, it's always kind of cool in our financial planning software to show people like like changing the dollar amount that they want to spend in retirement does make a difference. But you move your retirement age one year earlier or one year later, and it makes a huge impact on the outcome of the plan a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I guess it goes both ways, right? So sometimes, especially, you know, if you're retiring around 57, 58, 59, maybe it makes a big Mm -hmm. difference, but sometimes it makes a very small difference. And I think that's important for people too, just depending on where you fall in that spectrum in terms of where you're at and how much you want to spend. So I I think you're absolutely right. It, It can, and on occasion, it can make a huge difference. And other times I think people kind of get to the end and they're working because they think they have to and they're really not adding a whole lot of marginal value on waiting a year to retire in -hmm. terms of what they could potentially have in terms of income in retirement. It might be it might be useful to right here to talk for a second about when we talk about impact on a plan what we what we're getting at and so when when we put all this stuff into the meat grinder of our financial planning software really what it does is produces a statistical model of what your odds of spending all the meeting all the goals we've got put into the system with your resources and savings and getting all the way through to what the computer euphemistically calls the end of your plan but you know basically we assume a life expectancy for most people that calculates into their early 90s and what it does is it gives us a statistical probability of making it to that age without running out of money and not assuming that the markets are going to make 6% or 6.5% or 7%, but assuming that all kinds of weird stuff's going to happen along the way and taking into account different investment combinations and all. It's a very comprehensive way to look at things, and I think it's helpful. For, it's certainly helpful on our end of thinking about all the possibilities that could happen and, and the outcomes mm-hmm. that could happen and really allows us to kind of have some guideposts on the plan of, hey, if we're moving in this direction, you know, we need to correct versus if we're moving in the other direction, things are going well, we can maybe spend a little bit more. So, but um, yeah, 
very helpful in kind of setting those parameters as we think about retirement through the years. Are you a small business or a nonprofit that wants to market better? Of course you want to market better. Join heavy-hitting marketing agencies and experts at the Michigan Marketing Outstanding Brands Summit. All the big bosses will be there. 17 presentations on cutting-edge topics like brand dominance, how to make a logo that doesn't suck, figuring out what the heck SEO is, launching your own damn podcast, upcoming annoying changes for social media, creating videos that slay, and so much more. Win big prizes and take advantage of exclusive marketing training. Join the ranks of marketing bosses throughout Michigan and meet me, Amy Zander, the reigning marketing mobstress of Michigan. Mark Friday, May 6th, 2022 on your calendar. It's not too far away to start planning now. Follow Zedia Media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for a chance to win tickets. Visit ZediaMedia.com for more information and to purchase tickets. That's Z-E-E-D-I-A-M-E-D-I-A.com. Your presence will be honored. Your absence will be noted. It throws people sometimes a little bit because our idea of success is usually a plan that works out sometimes, you know, usually in like the 80 85% range and everybody's like, well, wait a minute. What about, you know, I want it to be a hundred percent guaranteed. Right. Well, statistically, that means you're probably going to be missing out on a lot. You could spend more, you could yeah. retire earlier, you know, you could take less risk, take more risk, you know, different things you could do. And the other thing is, you know, if we, so say, say your plan works out 85% of the time and 10 years down the road, we realize that we're not on track to meet that. It's not like you're waking up one morning and you're out of money. It's that we're right. looking at it and saying things need to be, you know, things need to be adjusted. And, and there's usually plenty of time and plenty of warning and, you know, not a, uh, not all of a sudden you, you come into our office and are asking us what you need to do now because the money's all gone. Another uh, quick point I'll bring up too that's fun for, for me at least is when we get to that point and, you know, obviously oh, let's say we have a goal of retiring in two years and we can meet that goal and everything works out. But if we retired today, would it still work out? And, and it's funny, funny, I guess, maybe not be the right, maybe is not the right word. But to just see people in kind of that change of to know that you could walk away at any point in time, I think that really right. kind of helps people in terms of being able to deal with the day to day, just knowing that at any point in time, you could just pick yes. up and pack your stuff and go home and not come back. Yeah, this hasn't happened recently, like in the last couple of months, but it's fairly regularly that a new client will come in and the first conversation is, I need to quit. I just, I can't stand my job. As soon as I can retire, I want to be done, right? And then you start crunching the numbers. And along the way, we're talking about what it means to be retired and, you know, different things, you know, can, can come to bear on that. But a lot of times, just that knowing that, hey, I could put in my two weeks notice tomorrow and be okay is all somebody needs right. to say, you know what? It's not so bad. I can keep going for another year or two. <laughs> yeah. You know, it happens. Right. It happens at, at least once a year we deal with a client in that situation. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's always kind for of sure. fun to see, you know, how they're going to change their attitudes once they know they could retire. I don't think I've yet had one of those people say, okay, that's it. I'm putting in my two weeks notice tomorrow. Usually it's <laughs> right. okay. Now we know. And, and, Maybe, maybe I can, yeah. maybe I can make it another two years or, you know, 
Right. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. So um, we can't talk about retirement planning without talking about uh, Social Security, right? And kind of the yep. impacts on Social Security and, and how we analyze that and how we utilize that in a plan. And, and I'll kind of tee this one up to you, Dave, because I know your answer and I like it. So a lot of people come in and they question, you know, should I be planning on Social Security in my plan? Is it something that I should just completely forget about or should I plan on getting some social, some sort of social security? How should I look at that? My, my pat answer to that is they call social security the third rail of American politics for a reason. And with the, uh, the analogy being that if, if it was a subway, you know, if you've got one rail that's the Republicans and one rail that's the Democrats, the third rail on a subway is the one that's uh, electrified. And if you touch the third rail, you get electrocuted. And both parties know if they mess with Social Security, the third rail of American politics, they're going to get they're going to lose their jobs. So keep that in mind. If you've paid into Social Security, I would bet you're going to get some sort of benefit out of it. It may change for younger clients. You know, Social Security full retirement age may move out. Benefits may be a little less. What's more likely is taxes will be raised to. Um, the social security tax we pay. The big thing is it's to keep in mind is it's capped on once your income goes over around 130,000, you don't pay any more social security taxes for the year. And they could easily uncap that without increasing benefits. And I shouldn't say easily, but it's, it's something they could do to shore up social security that would be relatively painless because it would be seen as, as affecting only high income people that Usually taxes in that regard are seen as more palatable. That's a whole nother topic. But keep in mind, you know, democracies function by crisis. You know, they, we govern by crisis. And at a certain point, Social Security will become enough of a crisis that they will get their act together and do something about it. But not until, not until it's really a problem. Uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. And, and we put it in all the plans that we run. And there's a couple of different ways to think about it too, right? So social security, the decision is can, you can take it as early as 62, but you have to take less than your full amount and you can wait until age 70. And so there's right. decisions all along the way there, because the thing about that, it, well, the thing about it is you can, every month that you wait, you get a little bit extra. Right. And so it becomes a function of planning in terms of how much do we get when and how does that impact some of the other decisions as far as right. when we retire, what the alternatives to taking Social Security are as far as generating the income. That we one of the things I've borrowed from, uh, you know, when clients are asking us about this, I borrowed from one of my good friends who's a life insurance agent is if you can tell us, you know, he always says, if you can tell me exactly when you're going to die, I can tell you exactly how much life insurance you should buy and what you should pay for it. It's kind of the same thing with Social Security. We know if you delay, that benefit's going to go up 8% every year. But we also know you're going to get fewer payments just because you'll be older when you start them. We don't know how many fewer. So we've got to make some, some smart decisions around longevity. The computer is actually able to generate what we call a break-even age for us. So we can talk about, you know, what does that break-even age look like for, for a client and you know, a lot of times the way we end up leaving the social security decision is, you know, all things being equal, let's plan to delay until you're 70 and take more from the portfolio between age 66 and 70 or whenever actually, when they actually retire and then take less when social security starts. But if your health changes, 
we can make, you know, you can, you can march into the social security office anytime after you're 62 and start your benefit. You know, mm-hmm. you don't, just because we plan around it doesn't mean it's set in stone, which is true of just about everything we discuss. Absolutely. And, you know, we do have clients that take social security early, um, you know, mm-hmm. either for retirement age or even at 62, because it, you know, maybe isn't monetarily the best decision, but sometimes it's that comfort level of, I know I have a steady amount coming in and I feel a lot better about that. And sometimes that's worth more than maybe the extra money down the line that you could generate out of your portfolio. And so, so it really is a personal decision and it's something that, you know, our job is to kind of look at all the options and and help guide you to Mm -hmm. what makes most sense. But Sometimes the right financial decision isn't the right f- decision for you. And, and it's definitely right. something to keep in mind when it comes to Social Security. The next one on our list is a big one, um, one that uh, we talk about quite often, but that's tax planning and, and taxes and the effect of taxes on your portfolio and your plan. Hard to separate any conversation about financial planning from tax planning, unfortunately. And that's just the world we live in. So, Usually for clients, what we do is we try to get their most recent return as a starting point. And we've got some some nifty tools that can take last year's return, put it all in a system for us where we can say, okay, if 2021 looks just like 2020, you know, how does this, how does this look? And then it also lets us, of course, make changes because most people's tax situation isn't identical year to year, but that lets us go in and say, well, what if we made more in pre-tax contributions? What if we made more in Roth contributions? What if a client has capital gains and we took them this year or spread them out over the next three years? We can really kind of dial in what those impacts might be. And that's become such a big part of what we need to do is is monitor the tax situation to help make those decisions. And you know, the the hard part about taxes is it's relatively easy to look at it from the standpoint of okay, this year versus next year, take out of this account mm-hmm. versus that account, but oftentimes we find ourselves making decisions that might have ramifications 5 and 10 years down the year and the hard part about that is we have no idea what the tax code's going to look like in 5 to 10 right. years. Right. Right. <laughs> We work with clients that have some very, very good tax professionals. And I, I love it when our clients have a CPA, an experienced tax person handling the actual tax filing. And it's particularly good when we can do these projections and then say, okay, I'm going to run this by Judy at your tax office and make sure I'm not missing anything because she's the one signing your tax return you know, and get their input on it too. A lot of, a lot of firms like ours actually do taxes internally. I kind of like having that external set of eyes and, and they tend to look at it. Your tax professional looks at things usually from a standpoint of here's your current tax situation. What can I do this year to make changes where we're looking at it and saying, okay, but if you do that 10 years from now, your, your IRA is going to look like this and your tax situation is going to change in the future. And, you know, I think I, I kind of look at it as like playing the piano with both hands. You know, we're doing the long-term view where the tax professional is looking at the here and now today. And you kind of need to do both and balance those. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. And, you know, just having a team of 
financial professionals and, and having that separation is very important because, you know, we look at things differently and that usually means between the two of us, we can come up with the best solution (laughs) for you because we're looking at it from both sides of the spectrum. So I think that's super helpful. And, you know, we greatly appreciate those relationships that people have when it comes to taxes. So another thing that we look at coming when it comes to financial planning is, okay, we built this great plan, but what happens if something unexpected happens? And that usually comes down to uh, insurance and risk management question in terms of, okay, if we have a early death, how does that affect the plan? Or what if we have a long-term care issue where we have nursing home, assisted living expenses? Um, How do we account for and plan for some of that stuff? Or disability is another one that we'll look at. And so these are all things where, you know, we can build the perfect plan, but then we kind of have to try to tear it down a little bit and make sure that we're protecting where it makes sense to protect or at least preparing for those things and understanding how we're going to utilize certain parts of the portfolio to make sure we're covered should something unexpected happen. And nobody nobody likes to talk about those parts of planning. It's not nearly as much fun as goals like buying sailboats or doing, you know, trips to Europe or, or you know, going, going to the southeast to see your grandkids. But it's an important part of this and we've got the tools to to look at those situations. Um you know, everybody focuses too on life insurance and a lot of times we're having to point out, uh, yeah, but disability insurance can be just as important or more important. We get lots of questions around long-term care, which that could be a whole podcast series in and of itself. Um, it's my least favorite topic because there just aren't good answers right now, but yeah. we still, have to, we owe it to our clients to try to try to look at those and just in general, one of the things our software lets us do is stress test these plans. And that's usually mm-hmm. one of the last phases is to be able to go in and say, okay, but what happens if Mrs. Smith passes away early? How does that affect the plan? Or what if uh, both plan, both folks live well past their normal life expectancy? Or right. what, if, what if investment returns really are lousy for the next you know, 10 years, 15 years? Um, we can really go in and kind of kind of look at those scenarios. And it's not that the overall planning needs to change. It's that it's kind of like doing lifeboat drills, right? You know, right. you, you kind of, you can look at it and say, okay, if one of the things we're allowed to do is play with social security. So, you know, but if social yeah. security gets cut by 25%, if, if, you know, if a client is really adamant, that that's, that's a potential thing, then what happens? Well, a lot of times what we see is, because we break goals into needs, wants, and wishes in the system is that the needs usually are still met. Most of these, if the planning is good, usually the need bucket is still intact regardless of the stress testing. But it's those discretionary things that, you know, you may have to look at if things don't go as well. And one of my favorite ones to run through too is the the market correction, right? So what if we have a, you know, a 2008 type of market correction and, your portfolio goes down. How does that affect your overall plan? And it really allows us to go in and say, okay, you know, we might have to cut back on spending for a couple of years until things come back. And, and the reason I like it is it just kind of gets clients' minds in the right frame of reference in terms of, you know, I'm a firm believer of if your mind hasn't gone there, 
um, when that event happens, you're going to, you know, you're going to panic and in the market, what that means is you're going to take everything out. You're not going to get the recovery and then you're really going to be in a bad spot. So making sure, you know, once you feel secure in that, you know, this is what happens if my portfolio goes down, this is what we're going to do to kind of correct that and get back on track and you're okay with that, you're much more likely to kind of follow through with that plan. There's a whole school of philosophy called stoicism that is centered around the idea of imagining, you know, imagining that mindset of, uh, you know, what you can, what you can live without. And I think, Hmm. I think, you know, I've always thought about trying to incorporate stoicism and uh, Marcus Aurelius into, uh, into financial planning a bit, because I think for some people that would be healthy. Back to the, you know, percentage of success in the plans, you know, if that if that 15% is keeping you up at night, you probably need if that 15% of failure, you know, if we say it works out 85% of the time and you're worried about that 15%, you probably need to sit down and think about all the things you spend money on every day and what would happen if you didn't, you know, and, right. and you'd probably be surprised at what we feel like in the moment we couldn't live without, but if we had to, we, we'd probably be a lot better off than, than we, than we realize. I'm not suggesting you, uh, you know, run out in the, uh, Lansing winter here with no jacket on just to see if you can live without it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it probably doesn't need to be, uh, you know, Canada goose parka yeah. to get the job. Right. That's a whole, again, a whole nother series of potential conversations there. But uh, so one of the other things and one of the last things on our list to talk about today, Dave, was estate planning and kind of mm-hmm. how that plays into a financial plan. You know, I think estate planning, a lot of times people think, well, I have to, you know, have millions of dollars before estate planning makes a difference. And, you know, that is true for estate taxes, but not necessarily planning. And and so I think everybody needs an estate plan in terms of, you know, making sure that you're taken care of, but also making sure that we, your assets are titled correctly. And even further, if you have some estate planning goals, as far as giving money to kids or charities, there's a lot mm-hmm. of different ways that we can incorporate that into the plan. And estate planning too, doesn't necessarily, it's usually things get grouped in there that are also important that aren't necessarily just when you die, but, you know, dealing with mm-hmm. durable powers of attorney and healthcare directives and other things that are important to protect your family and your loved ones. If something goes amiss along the way, um, it also falls in that category of things that we can help make sure get done, but things we can't do ourselves. So um, a lot of times what we're doing is nudging clients to make that call to their estate planning attorney to make some updates or to make sure that uh, that uh, you're up to date. And then we're asking those attorneys then for directions to make sure we've got the accounts set up to match the plan. And we've talked about that quite a bit in another context. So this is, you know, we've got a great um, webinar recorded on our, on our website with um, one of our favorite estate planning attorneys, Molly Pettigene. And I urge you to go back and check that out because she talks about estate planning for different phases of life and um, good stuff. Important. Yeah, absolutely. We'll make sure to put a link to that in the show notes for today. But yeah, absolutely. You know, again, stuff that people don't like to talk about, but important parts of the overall Mm -hmm. financial plan and, and overall well-being. So 
on that note, I think that kind of uh, wraps up our conversation yeah. for today. Um, and in future podcasts, I know we're going to talk about how we kind of implement this stuff on an ongoing basis. So how often do you need to go back and look at taxes or investments, that kind of thing. So we're going to have that mm-hmm. conversation coming up as well. So look out for that one. And as always, if you have questions, email us at info at srbadvisors.com. Sounds good, Nick. Nice work. Yep. Have a good one. Gather round and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.